We're so glad that you guys are here this morning. Uh, thank you guys for praying. We had an incredible event for, uh, Friday night, Beast Feast. We literally were wall to wall, elbow to elbow in here. And uh, y'all, y'all shared with us a uh, uh, redneck comedian and did a great job. I think we're going to have to fire Tanner and Chuck, one of the two of them. He told the story right before he came in and did the Beast Feast that he had got sprayed by a skunk. And uh, this is what he does. He goes on and does YouTube videos and does comedian stuff. And I'm pretty sure that this is the same mic he was using because it smells a little swing. Anyway, uh, but we're glad that you guys are here this morning and uh, thankful to have you guys a part of what God is doing here at Connect Church. And uh, you know that uh, we have been developing for you guys uh, in 23. We started off the year uh, by helping you develop holy habits that shape your future self. And we've given you so far this month four holy habits to incorporate into your life. Week one, uh, we taught you the power of praise. Week two, we shared with you guys about uh, how to set goals by faith. We're never, and we're not talking about New Year's resolution. We're talking about where God wants you to do some things in your life, and you're going to have to have faith to do that. And we taught you uh, one of my favorite lessons on that. But week three, we hit a nerve. It was incredible. Uh, The Spirit of God moved. People kept coming to the altar. I don't know why anybody would not want to come to church and be in the worship settings here because I'm just telling you, we taught you guys how to see yourself as God sees you, and it was a move of God uh, that I've rarely seen. So thank you guys for being obedient to that. And then week four, we taught you part one of how to hold on in hard times. And that's sort of where we're land at here this morning. Uh, We're going to continue that theme with that a little bit. And I want you to know as I share with you that message, uh, uh, this, this, this morning on uh, part two of this subject matter is that I, I shared with you a little bit of this last week. I want you to hear me again today and give you a little bit more detail to it. What I'm sharing with you guys is not just, you know, uh, a doctrine or, or and I mean, it is, but it's, it's honestly, just be very transparent, it's a personal testimony. And I'm going to share with you three more. We gave you one last week of these practical holy habits of how you hold on in hard times. And I want you to know it's not just a preacher that I got something out of a book, but it's something that I've lived. It's something our church family has been through together, and it works. And so let me just share with you how we got there and learn these four habits to help us hold on in hard times. In the fall, and uh, if you've been here a while, and I know probably like one-fourth of you guys are new since 2020 and since COVID, and man, we love having you part of our church family. But in the fall of 2020, we're, we're in the middle of COVID, and, and uh, churches are dropping like flies, and they're closing their doors, and we're all terrified as pastors. There's no book. There's no manual on this. Uh, you know, everybody's ticked off. Should we have church? Should we have, you know, online only? And y'all are mad. It doesn't matter what we did. And so uh, we just decided to do what God was leading us to do and let y'all decide, and you do it however you want to. But, uh, and as we begin to really, I got alone with God, and what God said is, I want you to pray for revival. I want you to start with Terry Pierce needs revival and our country needs revival, but Connect Church needs revival. And with unabashedly unapologetic, I got alone with God in the fall and would spend about three months just seeking God's face about what revival looked like. And man, did I have any 
idea God would just refine me. He would so challenge me about me and about some of my views and values and things. And, and what it did is it then just spread into the church. And, and so we began to pray for revival. And, the, uh, and, and who does it in the middle of COVID? Churches are closing the doors. Made no sense. Made no timing sense whatsoever. People are not coming. We're all ticked off and scared to death. And God said, pray for revival. And I'm like, man, this is the worst time for revival. And God said, shut up and just do it. And so I did. And uh, my best value. And, and anyway, uh, and so what happened in 21 is literally all hell broke loose. Is God would allow Satan to just attack our church. We would lose four deacons that year. It would be the hardest season that I've ever walked through emotionally with my church family. And it would be devastating. Physically, I've never had him do this, but I believe as much as I'm standing here, Satan attacked me physically. I would go through my very first ever heart procedure. I would have a spinal fusion surgery later that summer, and I would be in a car wreck that they would have to pull me out of in November. And what I learned in those hard times is what I want to share with you today. And the summary of that is what I found, Chris, is that God is still God in the valley. And he's not only God of the valley, but he's God of the mountain. And that same God is in both places, and he wants to walk you through the journey of hard times. And I learned that when it gets the darkest, you keep holding on. You keep believing in him. The morning's coming. The light is coming. And what's happened in 22 is revival, the, the impact of that spiritual revival that happened in our congregation with discipleship and multiplying in that light is now uh, is, is a, allowing itself to, to be acclimated in the fact that we're growing and people are getting saved and you're seated on the stage. And so what's happened now is just the effects and the fallout of that revival. But it all started in 2020 by seeking God's face. And so I want to tell you this morning that the personal testimony is that while churches, and literally they tell us that 97% of the churches in America this morning since COVID are in decline or holding their own. 85% of that 97% is in decline. 12% are holding their own of the churches in America since COVID. And only 3% of churches are watching some kind of statistical growth of God moving in their hearts and lives. Folks, you're a part of God moving in that 3%. We're a part of watching God walk through the valley and take us his glorious presence on the mountain. Would you give him a round of applause? Thank God for what he does. And so this morning, it is based upon that experience that I want to share with you what God has taught me in my personal testimony time of knowing what it means to simply how to hold on in hard times. Last week, we shared with you one verse, unpacked one verse, and we gave you one principle, and it was this. Keep my life 
clean. And so go ahead and write down in your notes, if you weren't here last week, uh, we taught you guys the first step in being able to really be able to hold on in hard times, this habit. The first habit we've got to discipline our life with is keeping our life clean. And it was a fascinating way that we went about this. The connect groups had incredible discussions, and this was the verse that you all discussed last Sunday night in our uh, connect groups. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I love that last phrase. And so here's what we taught you, a quick summary uh, of, of, of last week. First part of this message, God doesn't, cannot use dirty vessels. So we're not here some hip, cool church trying to tell you that you're all okay, we're okay, and all this stuff. Well, we're telling you, listen to me this morning, God does not use dirty vessels. But we're not going to be self-righteous in some of the old junk that we used to do. Look at me this morning. What I'm telling you all, keep your life clean. And, and here's how you do it. Psalms 139 says, we pray and say, God, search me, O God, and, and see if there's any wicked way in me. What God is saying, I'm not looking for perfect people. Connect Church is not looking for you to show up on Sunday morning, have your best looking outfit on, your best shirt, whatever you're wearing, and say, I'm better than you or that I've got it all together. No, no, no. God's looking for authenticity. What he's looking for is a group of people to come together that are weak, that have failed, that have struggled, but we know who called upon when we have seen and his name is Jesus. We're just forgiven. We're just forgiven. He does the cleansing. He's the one that makes us worthy to be here today. And that's a big change in the way that some of us have done church. It sounds subtle, but I'm telling you, it's huge and significant. But then we also learn not only how to pray this prayer into our life, but here's how we got there, is we shared with you guys that in the first 22 verses of Psalms 139, here's the glaring message, and oh my goodness, did you guys share um, last Sunday night in your connect groups. And here's the message of Psalms 139, verses 1 through 22. God's crazy about you. God made you in his image, and he absolutely adores you all. He is crazy about you, he's in love with you, and he's wanting to teach you how to follow him. And so this morning, as we're going through all this, we're just realizing today that this is what God is saying to us. And so here's where we land at this morning. When we finally accept that truth, we will pray, search me, O God, so I can be on page with you. And through that process, we learn these final three principles that I want to share with you today. So turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Colossians. We're looking at how to hold on in hard times Part two, all right, you ready for that? How to hold on in hard times, part two. Today we're going to learn some more habits about how to follow Jesus. The, the problem with the church at Colossae that we're going to read about, and let just give you real quick uh, background on this, is the church at Colossae, and this is important, you need to know the backstory. The church at Colossae was the, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul had founded at their pastor. And so now he's moved on and he's writing a letter back to him because what's happened in the church, can you imagine that the church is founded and they get off to a great start, uh, just like this church. 
We have a great history here at Connect Church. Uh, a bunch of people in East Tupelo decided uh, the Holy Spirit led them and said, you know what, we need a gospel preaching church in this community. And for 90 years, this church has proclaimed the exact same gospel. Nothing's changed. It's the word of God. It's the salvation. And here's been our message for 90 years. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Make disciples who follow Jesus. But what happens over a period of time is we lose sight of that message. And the church at Colossae had become distracted. And do you know what the people were accused of? Paul was saying the problem with you guys is you're trying to do Jesus your way. Can you imagine a church that would ever lose sight of the gospel, the gospel of making disciples, and they made it about their traditions, they tried to be hip and cool, they tried whatever they could to tell people what they wanted to hear. Could you imagine, Mark, that a church in America would ever get off track and lose sight of what they're supposed to do? What Paul was saying to the church at Colossae, quit being distracted by false teachers and false belief systems, and what I'm telling you is you need to do this, and it's very simple, Paul says, Follow Jesus and make disciples who make disciples. All right, I don't think you're all getting it. All right, so uh, let, let me explain to you. It's easy for all of us to get distracted. I am the king of being distracted. I am completely ADD, you know, whatever. The squirrels are running around in my head. Uh, all of these things, I'm that guy. And so, I mean, I've totally, I've been, never been diagnosed and no, nobody's going to catch me enough to do it. So anyway, so that's just who I am. But, but here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and tell you a story this morning. I told my wife, she's in Georgia visiting her sister, and I told her I was going to confess this. It's, this happened six years ago, and she says, I can't believe you're finally going to tell the church. And she goes, I so wish I would be there. This one's a tough one. There's a handful of you all that know this story because I know this is going to sound crazy, but this is embarrassing. So in 2010, I decided that the stress of pastoring you all was too much, and I needed the relief. And so I joined the Anytime Fitness. Now, somebody heard me, misunderstood me this morning, and said they thought the End Time Fitness, but no. But anyway, uh, but the Anytime Fitness in East Tupelo uh, is not there anymore, but it's a magazine or uh, cartoon, not cartoon, what is it? Um, um, anyway, um, it, uh, what is it? Comic book, yes. All the comic book people are like, oh, you called us cartoons. Anyway, uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, So it's a comic book store now. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. And anyway, uh, but it used to be the Anytime Fitness in East Tupelo. And so in 2010, I joined that gym. Now, you need to understand a few of the facts. You need to hear me this morning. For seven years, this is what I did at the Anytime Fitness in East Tupelo. I would go in there and I would run on a treadmill or do whatever I was doing for 30 minutes of cardio and I would do that. And I don't do it because, you know, I'm enamored with health stuff. I do it because y'all stress me out. Uh, and so this is my time to be alone with God and pray. And so I love, you know, that's just what I do to just, and honestly, it's a stress relief. And so I do this 30 minutes of cardio. Then I do 30 minutes on the machines. And I'm doing abs, and I know it's not where I'm going to get to that. I do uh, the, the arms and the legs, and I do all that. And so I, and you have to know, not only my ADD, but I'm also 
type A to the max, and it's just who I am as personality, is that I don't just do something and once or twice. You all people that start off with your new ideas, and then you never follow through. You drive me nuts, but not me, baby. When I start something, I'm going to root dog, root, root. Anyway, I'm going to hang with it till I quit. Root dog or dig. Or, anyway, anyway, I almost probably said something I shouldn't. So anyway, I get into it, and I don't give up on it, and so uh, I don't quit. I mean, there's no backing off. When I get started, I'm competitive, and so you need to know, for seven years, I worked the same 10 machines. And I know all you exercise people, you're supposed to mix this up. Not me. I do the same thing. I do it very well, and I don't move on. Okay, I'm just telling you. So I've been doing 10 machines, uh, doing all of these you know, things, the same exercises, and I work my way up to 40 reps per machine. I'm like beefing it out. I mean, I at this point should look like the rock. But I'm no beefcake, I'm a butter cake. And so at this point, I, it's just not working. And so I'm talking to Belen about the 40 reps, and she goes, you know, there's no way. And it makes her mad because she's like an exercise guru, people. And so, um, and so and she just says, there's no way you can do 40 reps on 10 machines in 30 minutes. And I go, maybe you can't, but I got it down. Seven years, seven years, 40 reps on 10 machines. I'm killing it, dog. And then one day, somewhere in 2017, there's no squirrels going off in my head. There's no birds flying or whatever. And, and, uh, and I'd finished praying for you all. We'd had a good Sunday. You all weren't being stupid. And so I've just finished. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to count and make sure I'm doing all 40. And lo and behold, true story, can't make it up. I was only doing 11 reps. <laughs> I know this makes no sense to you, and this doesn't make, there's no way scientifically, they probably should do a study on me and my brain. Because here's what I did for seven years three days a week, sometimes four, methodical, never miss. I would do one, three, seven, 11, 17, 21, 27, 34, 37, 40. I did the exact same number in my head, Tiffany, for seven years three to four times a week, one, three, seven, and I would count them off, and I would get to 40, and I would go home and tell, Belen, when I finally hit that moment that I counted them, when you do all the numbers in their exact numbers, every single time I did the exact same, counting off the exact same numbers, it's only 11 reps. And when I finally, and it took me two months after I did the official count to go home and tell Belen, and when I told her that seven years instead of 40, I'd only been doing 11, my loving, godly, supportive wife fell off the couch laughing. 
She fell into the floor and goes, you're such a moron. And, uh, and she didn't do it lovingly. She got on FaceTime, um, and she called all three of our grown sons who are married and live in different parts of the country at that time. And she called them, and she says, you've all got to get everybody on the phone. Get on the phone now. They all thought I was dying of a heart attack, you know, and what's wrong with that? And she goes, your dad's an idiot. And they go, well, we knew, but what's the point? And so they told him the story, and, and, uh, and we've told a couple of you all, but truth is, we've never went public with this story. She calls our friends in Georgia that used to pastor and spoke here, William and Tara Smith. So Tara makes a T-shirt, and it's got the guy working out, one, three, five, seven. And, and so she's got the number count uh, that they gave us and, and said it. And so uh, it's not been 40 reps. So here's my point to all of this. I literally had so fooled myself into thinking that I was killing it and doing all this exercise and I really believed it I'm not kidding seven years that I counted the same numbers and if you're not careful and now hear me this morning you and I are a lot like the church at Colossae we fool ourselves and I think this is why churches are declining this is why families are struggling and why you're unhappy in your own life today is listen to me this morning is you want Jesus your way you go to church to have church your way and listen to me this morning it's not about you you can say but I meant well nobody meant to do that gym better than I did I was sincere in doing my workout I was consistent in doing my workout but I was still wrong and if you're not careful the devil will deceive you with your best intentions but I want my family I want my church my I think that this is the way I should do it I want this new thing and all the while Jesus is saying it's not about you and if you're not careful you're gonna miss out on God working around you because you want Jesus your way and so Paul says, the reason you struggle, the reason that you're frustrated, the reason things are not going your way is because you have failed to genuinely and really get me down in your life. And so here's what Paul says to the church at Colossae, and he says to you and I today, it's Jesus alone. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, walk in him, not new fad, not church my way, not my kid. No, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as what? Listen, and, I love, and I'm going to be a little bit personal here, but notice what he says. This is the preacher part. Just as you were taught, with all due respect, it's time for you to listen to what the preacher's saying. We don't always get it right, but I'm telling you, when it's about Jesus, this is what he's saying, abounding in thanksgiving. I know we're going to land on that at the end, and I promise you it is going to be so good. You don't, want, you don't want to go to sleep on that part of it. Now here's what I want you to understand this morning. Just like the church at Colossae, we become enamored with doing Jesus our way. Dr. David Garland says this about the text, noted New Testament scholar. Write this down. He says, we our belief uh, belief that does not have impact on one's behavior 
is useless. That is so good. And he's summarizing what I was just illustrating to you and I. It needs to change the way you see your family, the way you change, you see your church, the way you do things. And, and verses 9 through 15, uh, Paul is making the case and he's saying that in Christ alone, theologically, he's going to talk about the divinity and the deity of Jesus Christ and how that our fullness because of the resurrection that we have Christ in us and we need to, and consequently, Paul Paul's going to make the argument that all the other shiny stuff that you guys are looking for, you're looking for new spiritual truths, and you need a new book, and you need, you know, a new preacher, and you need all of this stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus has made it very simple. He said, follow me and make disciples who make disciples. Guys, when we're looking for anything else, you may very well be being distracted. You may mean well, you may have the best intentions, but I'm telling you, you're hurting yourself and you're not accomplishing what God wants you to do. And look at me, when times get hard, and they will, you're gonna quit. You're gonna leave the church. You're gonna leave the ministry. You're gonna quit because you're, you've been deceived into thinking there's something bigger and greater out there. Paul says, I want to help teach you practical habits of learning to walk with me in the process that I've called you to do. Let me unpack the verse a little bit more for us. Therefore, he says in verse 6, as you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The Christian life begins with this new birth process that we believe. Here's what we teach and believe here. The only way that you can really be saved and on your way to heaven is a transformation has to happen in your life because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He gives us a new birth. We're new and we walk in baby steps. Uh, just like a baby child, we walk in him. And so uh, we learn to grow in him. Dr. Charles Swindoll says this about uh, these two verses. He says the essence of the Christian life is packed in these two simple verses. And so what he's saying to you and I, don't make it complicated. Don't look for the shiny thing. You just simply keep walking in the Christ that has saved you. Now, verse 7, let's dig a little bit deeper into it, and then we're going to apply this to your life and mine. And now this is my favorite part of this text. Rooted and built up and established in the faith. Again, listen to the preacher on this one, just as you were taught. Quit trying to add all this other stuff that you want. Now, here's what you need to know about the word rooted, and this is the argument that Paul's making and I'm trying to make to you today, is that don't allow the devil to distract you. Even if you mean well, look at me, you may, believe it or not, may be wrong, just like I was. And so Paul says, here's how you learn to follow Christ, rooted. Now, what does that mean? The, in the, the um, Bible was written in Koine Greek, and so the, the Koine Greek just has a much more defined and has many more nuances than our English term. We read the word rooted and we're thinking, and it's accurate, you plant something in the ground. But here's the connotations that what is not in the English translation of rooted. You ready for this? This is good. The word rooted is what we call in Greek a past participle. And what he's saying is, is he's saying, and I get this because this is just their language. What he's saying, when they read the word rooted, here's what they understood it to mean. In the past, Christ 
saved you, changed you, shaped you, and transformed you. What Christ did in your life in the past is now carrying into the present. And so, as you live your life in following him, you are presently being transformed by what Christ did in the past. So no matter how you feel today, no matter what's going on in your life, it doesn't matter. He's already done it in the past. You can't do anything better. You can't do anything to earn his pleasure. It's already been done, and it's being applied in your present. Now be rooted in that. Isn't that good? And so that takes away this whole thing that i got to have something new and shiny. And he's saying, just simply enjoy your relationship with me. Rooted in growing and making disciples who make disciples. And so what do we do? Every week, in your, every other week in your discipleship group, you hang out with a group of people who God is speaking into their lives, and you talk about how we're growing and establishing our faith. Now look at me this morning. Here's God's plan for your life. Follow him and make disciples who make disciples. Yeah, but we need this club. We need to do this in our church. We need to have this ministry. Look at me. I'm just telling you, in Scripture, God says, follow me and make disciples, and I don't have a plan B. We have tried to design. We have given you programs. We have given you entertainment. We have come up with all this other stuff to get your backsides into the chairs and in the pews, but you're not changing how you live your life. Your marriages aren't going any better. Your relationships with your kids are not doing any better. And you want to know why? Because we programmed all this stuff and what we've got to get back to. I'm not talking about 1950s church. I'm talking about old school, the Bible. Follow him and make disciples who make disciples. Because that's how our lives change. Now here's the doctrine, the theology that this verse is teaching us. For those of you that want to go deeper in a study, here they are. This is what we believe at Connect Church. We're planted in the soil of salvation in Jesus alone. We're walking in Christ and taking root in him. We're growing stronger in faith and maturity. And we're producing fruit and overflowing with gratitude. Oh, and we're going to hit that one here just to say it. Those are the doctrines that I believe this text is teaching. This is what we believe here at Connect Church. So let me hit that last one. So, okay, Pastor Terry, we agree with you, man. This is just Bible. There's no argument, man. We, you know, this is not free. This is not, you know, any of this. This is just Bible, dude. I get it. Thank you. So how do you know, though, Pastor Terry, if we're really growing and becoming his disciple? Thank you for asking that question. And you know, the text answers it. Notice what the last phrase is. And growing in gratitude and thanksgiving. And so here's the thing. If you're not miserable being here at church today and following Jesus, then you're doing the right thing. <laughs> it's just what the text says. If you're not miserable in following Jesus, then you're doing the right thing. It's not rocket science here. He says you're going to be thankful that you get to come to a church like this. You get to thankful to put your backside in a chair and worship and be in the building and let God's Spirit speak to you. You're just thankful that you get to be rooted and grounded in all of this that God has done for you, and you enjoy it. That's it. And you enjoy it, Danny. 
That's what the Christian life we're called to do. It's, he just made it so simple, and we're the ones that keep messing it up. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 is saying to you and I today, this is what it looks like. So how do we apply this to your life and mine? And uh, get your notes out, and we're going to do this real quickly this morning. I want to give you the other three points. Uh, some of these ideas come from Pastor Rick Warren. I just made them better. <laughs> just kidding. Wait, I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Number, number one is, uh, write these down. This is the four holy habits to helping you hold on in hard times. You ready? Number one, I have to keep my life clean. I got to keep my life clean. That, we already told you guys about that, so you got that last week. Number two is keep your eyes open. Your eyes have got to become open for God. Be alert for the signs of his presence. It's important to learn everything that we should learn about him. Learn from one another. This is why you need to be in discipleship groups. Proverbs 18 and 15 is not on the screen, but it says, wise men are always learning. You want to be wise, and we want to learn to sense what, ha what God is doing. We saw in January something that many churches have never seen in their lifetime. And that is we got to experience God's move. What does that look like in your life and mine? We got a picture of this book on the screen. And I want you to get this and get a chance to do the study, read through it all. It's pretty heavy. It's a little lengthy, but it is so good. Uh, I read this years, decades ago. It's old school book, but they've re-updated it. But it is the best, in my opinion. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Henry Blackaby, uh, an old SBC guy that's, that's right on the money. And uh, Dr. Blackaby teaches us, and here's his coin phrase that he uses, and this was transformative in my life eventually our church, is he says these words. I want you to look and see where God is at work around you. This is what you get to in the book. I want you to look and see where God is at work around you. You ready for this? And then join him. He's not talking about reinventing the wheel. He's not talking about some new big old thing that we got to do. He's just simply saying, if you see God working in your church, you want to get involved in that church. If you see God working in your connect group and changing people's lives, you want to be a part of that. Man, I just see God moving. So many of you have come to the church this month, and you just simply, and your testimony is one after another. I sense God is moving. I'm tired of being a dead church. I'm tired of being dead religion. I want to be in my lifetime. I don't know about you, but I ain't got that much longer to live. I don't want to waste another day. I don't want to waste another Sunday being a part of a dead movement. I want to be where God's working. And so he's saying, that's what Henry Blackaby was arguing. Look for where God is at work and join him. Are you ready? You see, we keep deceiving ourselves and we keep looking for other stuff. God's already working here. And you just got to come back to the basics. Follow him and make disciples who make disciples and pour your life into that purpose. And it's amazing how stupid we are. So I got to best friend that went to the Coke Museum, and um, he's like Chuck. He loves Coke, and, uh, you know, and he's just popping Coke all day long. He drinks it for breakfast. He's a Coke machine, and so he just loves, sorry for you Pepsi people, but this guy is just a Coke dude. Uh, he's got the red can in his car at all times. So he goes, and he finally gets his dream, his fantasy vacation, and he gets to go to the Coke Museum in Atlanta, Georgia. How many of y'all been there? Anybody in there? Been to the Atlanta Museum? All right, Coke, all right. Anyway, uh, you need to go because you get free Coke. And so anyway, and so he's walking through uh, the Coke Museum, and so they got all this stuff, and they got all these samples, and as soon as he gets inside there, they hand him a green can. 
And they go, here's one of our new Cokes. And they got like 20 of them. And they, you know, and so they give him the green can. And so he's, he's trying to drink. And he just goes, man, it's nasty. And he goes, and I'm sitting there sucking on this green can. And we're walking through the museum. We've been in there about an hour. And they're watching and showing me all the, and they got the Coke, you know, just factory. And they got all the stuff they're producing there. And he said, and finally it hit me. <laughs> I'm drinking this nasty crud that's in this green can. Don't even like it. He crushed that thing, threw it in the trash, and he told the guide, he said, I want the real thing. Pardon the pun. Uh, he said, I want the red can. And so they got him a six-pack of real Coke, uh, you know, the real thing, the red can. And he said, man, he was popping that thing down. And he said, how stupid was it that I was sitting there in the Coke factory drinking something I didn't like, I didn't want and didn't need. And the whole time, I wonder how many of us are living our lives. God is moving all around us, and we're playing games, and we're drinking a bunch of Kool-Aid that doesn't satisfy our lives. God said, I'm the real thing. I'm the real thing. Follow me and make disciples. You make disciples. That's it, Brooks. That's the real thing. And we've done everything but that. And so open your eyes. Open your eyes for the real thing because I'm telling you God is moving. Number three, keep living your life on his purpose. Do you know God's purpose for your life? Because clearly when we determine to follow God's purpose for our life, He's going to help us persevere through the hard times. That's what I said to you guys earlier about my experience. When you know what God's called you to do, he's going to help you stay focused. And by the way, the, the uh, reverse happens. If you don't know what you're supposed to do when hard times come, you're going to quit. Uh, let me prove it to you this morning. One of the biggest challenges, and we're going to watch literally the Holy Spirit leave you, at the close of this service, because here's what's going to happen to about half of y'all, if not more. Y'all are going to walking out to the car after a great service and God's moving, and man, you just worship, you've had a good hour, and you're going to be out, and you mark my words, this is going to happen, especially if you're married. You're going to walk to the car, and you're going to look at her, and you're going to say these famous words, or you won't go eat. Because that's how we do it in Mississippi. Where you want to go eat? And she's going to look at you in that sweet, southern, charming voice and go, I don't care. <laughs> and you all know it is on at that point. And then, well, I just don't know. Where do you want to go eat? I don't care. You're going to look at the kids. And they're going to say, where do you all want to go eat? I don't care. And then as soon as you get in the car and your wife asks you where you're going and you name the restaurant, well, I don't want to eat there. And the kids are going, I ain't eating there. And you know what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, the devil gets all over your car. The Holy Spirit's been sucked out of the vehicle and there is no spiritual thing happening. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah, we hit a nerve there. I need to preach on that next Sunday. I'm just telling you, we got hands going up. And why? Why? Because you know what happens? You got distracted. You all are arguing as Baptist people over where you should go eat. And what happens is you sit in the parking lot arguing and fighting on where to go eat. And the Methodists get ahead of you in the line. You can't even get a table. Tell them, Miss Deb. And so here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Now what I want to share with you this morning what I want to share with you this morning is Jesus made it simple. He says, know your purpose and why you do what you do. The secret 
to two very uh, to, to two very important qualities that you have to have in your life to succeed in life. Now, these two qualities I'm getting ready to share with you, they are essential whether you're doing sports, whether you're doing business, whether you're in the arts world or ministry. And these are the two words I want you to write down. Tenacity is the first one. The tenacity. Tenacity is the ability to keep on keeping on when you feel like giving up. In other words, if you know that God has called you to keep following him and keep making disciples, it's going to get hard to continue. You're going to want to quit being a discipleship maker. You're going to want to quit a church and quit doing small groups. You're going to want to quit quit connect groups. You're going to want to quit the discipleship model that Christ has given us at this church and, and his plan and his word, and you're going to want to quit. Tenacity says, no matter how hard it gets, I'm going to stay with it and that leads us to the second word resilience resilience is the ability to bounce back when you've been put down now the truth of the matter is am I the only one in here that's made a mistake you know what I sinned this week truth be told sin in my thoughts this morning the devil is constantly putting negative junk and toxic thoughts into my heart, into my mind, and in my life. And you know what I have to do? Is, is if I listened to the devil this morning, Bert, I wouldn't be up here preaching. Because the devil told me, you ain't got no business being a preacher. Nobody wears a shirt like that. You don't have any business doing what you're doing. But here's the thing. I'm forgiven. I've been called by God. I know what he's called me to do. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go with Jesus. I'm not quitting. Because I'm telling you, you bounce back. You bounce back with resilience. God picks us up. And when we fail, he picks us up. And he keeps us going. All you're called to do is follow Jesus and make disciples. And when you've struggled and when you failed, look at me. You're forgiven. Confess it. Bounce back, guys. Bounce back. Start doing discipleship. Stay in your connect groups. Allow Christ to show you how to get through the hard seasons. And you want to know why? Because you'll learn that when you know what your purpose is, you're going to find out that the anchor holds. Somebody needs to sing that song right now. The anchor holds. The anchor holds when you remember why we do what we do. <sighs> Number four, keep your heart grateful. The fourth habit of handling hard times in our life is we keep our heart grateful. I love it when Paul says in this last verse, notice what he says, abounding in thanksgiving. That is so good. Do you know that God blesses? Do you know who he blesses? He blesses grateful people. Listen to me this morning. I wish I'd preached this message 20 years ago here. Uh, he doesn't bless cranks. He doesn't bless complainers. He doesn't bless people who are always nagging. He doesn't bless people who are always worried about what's going on and everything's going to fall apart and their families are not going to be safe and all this other stuff. He only blesses those who are thankful that believe that God's in charge and we're going to trust him. The attitude of gratitude is a habit that some of y'all need to develop if you're going to hold on in hard times. Did you know that both adoration and thanksgiving and praise are the antidotes to your discouragement. Let me read that again. It's not on the screen, but I wrote this down, and I, and I really think some of y'all need to hear this. Adoration, thanksgiving, and praise are the antidotes to your discouragement. 
We've been taught and said by society, especially in this leftist world that we're in today, is that what we just need is more love. And what they don't understand is that's not true. I'm not against love. And we, we need more of it, but that's not what's going to make you happy. Because some of y'all's personality types and some of the philosophical things, if we just love everybody, then we're all going to get along. Here's what you're misunderstanding. We have a sin-cursed nature. We're always going to do stupid things. We're always going to hurt one another. There is no utopia of love. But you know what doctors have proven medically? That, that love is not the, the end all that helps us physically. They have said that the greatest people that live the longest, the people that survive and do the best in life, are people who are thankful. Love is not what you need to have to have a long life. It's to be grateful. God knew it all along in his word. He says the people that are blessed in life are the people that are thankful. They have not forgotten what God has done for them. But you know our human nature is that we so easily forget the blessings and the love that God's given us. Let me give you these three and I'll close. Here's how some holy habits, the reasons why you want to be grateful, this is how you do this, this is what you can be thankful for this week. Number one is we're grateful that God always gives me strength. God is the one who allowed me to preach today. In all honesty, I had a horrible day physically yesterday. Belinda's out of town and I called her and I said, I probably honestly should have went somewhere. Um, had all kind of issues going on. And she just stopped and prayed. Didn't tell anybody. I'm here this morning and I feel awesome because God gives you the strength when you can't go. He gives you the strength to stay on purpose and on mission. I give him the glory. I'm standing here today because God has given me the strength to be here. I could not have preached yesterday, but I am today because God had me for this purpose. I'm telling you, give God praise. Number two, grateful that bad times can't change God's plans. Oh, I love that. How many of us have had our dreams bashed? How many of us have had our lives fall apart? Look at me this morning. Look at me this morning. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're going through in your life, old age sucks, yesterday sucked for me, all of those, your kid gets sick this week, Lynn, whatever you're going through, it does not change God's plan for you. He still loves you. He still called you to follow him and make disciples who make for him. Just because you're going through a stormy season in your life, are you looking at me? It doesn't matter because God's plans never change for us. He loves you. Number three, be grateful that my life is being changed. Do you know what happened last week is uh, Alan Thomas, our campus pastor in Missouri, led old Roger, the truck driver, to Jesus Christ, and he got saved. Uh, and then on Friday, Andrew is meeting with Zach and Kayla, and they bring in their middle son, Hudson. And you have to know, Zach and Kayla, uh, Zach's been diagnosed with some medical issues, and uh, they've just been through uh, literally hell in their lives and coming up together. And then, you know what made it all worthwhile, though, is their middle son accepted Jesus Christ. And now their family is on their way to heaven. And I'm telling you, I don't care what hell you're going through when Jesus saves, when Jesus changes you. We had some couples that came to me in counseling last week. Their lives were headed in a different way. And, but you know what? God changed them last week. Now they're going to get married. Now they're going to follow through on God's plan. And my discipleship group Tuesday night, a uh, long, busy week, been doing all kind of interviews and doing all kind of stuff. But Tuesday night, I met with my 
my discipleship group. They came in weary. They came in tired. But guess how we left that night? It was cold. It was wintry. But we left that night knowing God's called us. We're going to go fight the devil. We're going to win this battle. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God has brought us here to remind us of this simple truth. And it's on the screen. And look with me today. Is we're rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught. The Christian life is all about change. It's about transformation. It's about your future self becoming better. But you've got to be aware this morning that what God is doing in your life with these holy habits, it's an, we're using new terminology for the younger generation, but for us old school folks, it goes back to a theological term back in the day. We just simply call this sanctification. This is what God's doing to make us into his image. Would you stand with me this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed? We've come here today to ask God to help us transform our lives into living life on mission. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to come, to step out, and say, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, and for whatever reason, Satan has distracted you, and you've been trying to do Jesus and your family and God and everything else your way, in church your way. You need to get your backsides back in worship. You need to be obedient to the word. You need to just simply follow him. Quit looking for the shiny and decide I'm going to come this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to sing a verse of invitation this morning, but I just sense that we just need to be still. And if you need to come this morning in just the quietness of the moment today, and just step out and say, man, I want to be saved. Our counselors will meet with you. They'll pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to run back to Jesus. And for whatever reason, I've quit discipleship. I've quit my connect group. I've quit following you. Resilience. Resilience. It means that he allows you to bounce back. Or eat you in a good place today. That he gives you a word and says, you're not done. You're not finished and it's not over with you. Man, I'm crazy about you. I need you to work this week, my sister friend, my brother friend, on tenacity. We're going to stick to this and on resilience. Even when I've done the stupid thing, even when I've worked out in my life and I thought I meant well, but I've been doing the wrong thing the whole time. Resilience. I'm bouncing back, God, to getting back onto your life. Would you pray that into your life this morning? God, thank you for meeting with us this morning. Thank you for lives that are being changed. Thank you for salvations. Thank you for teaching us how to follow you and make disciples who make disciples. Now, would you look with me this morning? And as we close this out today in our worship time this morning, and we're not done, so you want to hang in here, because remember how we started this sermon series, and where this is the finale, this is the end. But remember how we began. In week one, we taught you how to praise God. We taught you that you got to do this in the daily. And so this morning, I want us to finish this out. And we're going to do this. The way we started is how we're going to end it. Is God worthy of your praise? Has God done anything in your life? Have you seen God's presence moving in this place? Would you give him a round of applause? Let's give God the glory. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. 
Again, that's www.triconnect.church.